You are listening to a Natural Products Insider Podcast. With Heather Granado, Vice President, Content, Health and Nutrition. Brought to you by Supply Side West, October 15th through the 19th in Las Vegas. Welcome to a Supply Side West preview edition of the Healthy Insider Podcast. I'm Heather Granado. Today, I'm talking with Dana Pearls, Senior Food and Agriculture Campaigner with Friends of the Earth, who will be joining me at Supply Side West in Las Vegas this October for our workshop on biotechnology and the natural products industry. Dana, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. First, maybe we can start with a little background about the mission of Friends of the Earth and your journey to working with this organization. Sure. Friends of the Earth is an environmental organization. Uh, I work on the food and agriculture team. Uh, And as an organization, it strives for a more healthy and just world. And we know that the challenges facing our planet um, call for full action. And so we push for reforms that are are needed, uh, not necessarily the ones that are always the most popular. So my work is focused on cleaning up the supply system for our food, making sure that it is the least toxic and the most healthy and sustainable that it can be both for people and the planet. Fantastic. A lot happening, obviously, in the supply chain. And one of the topics that we've been discussing is genetic engineering. And I know Friends of the Earth recently released a report on sort of new genetic engineering techniques that are actually causing some unexpected problems for organisms and ecosystems. Could you talk to us a little bit about a few of these GMO techniques that are particularly notable and whether you believe awareness is increasing around the use of techniques like CRISPR. Sure, yeah. So the world of genetic engineering has changed. It's no longer just about you know, taking the DNA from one organism and inserting it into another. While that is still part of the process, now we have techniques like gene editing where you might um, rearrange genes within an organism. You might silence them or you might uh, delete them altogether. Uh, techniques like gene editing such as CRISPR um, are, are techniques that are making it into the media. There are other techniques uh, where you might capture Um, yeast or algae, so simple organisms, and you can use them almost like a little micro machine to pump out ingredients that you've designed it to pump out. Um, Some of that is done um, by writing out a genetic code, for example, almost like you were sitting down at a computer and maybe writing out the code for vanillin or a, a compound in stevia or a protein um, found in soy, and you can sort of reverse engineer the yeast so that when you ferment it, as if you were brewing beer, you feed it GMO corn or sugar, in, and then instead of producing beer, for example, out comes whatever you've coded it to produce um, vanilla, stevia, saffron. Um, proteins. The problem, though, is that studies are increasingly finding that these techniques are far from precise. 
genetic engineering techniques like CRISPR um, are increasingly showing that there are many risks with the potential for significant negative impacts on biodiversity, on people's health, um, and the results are not what the scientists start out with wanting. Um, even with something like engineering yeast to try and produce um, a plant-based protein like that, which was seen in the Impossible Burger, in fact, what happened instead was out came another uh, 46 unknown proteins. And the protein that they were trying to produce wasn't exactly what they were going for. It's not identical. So the thing that science is starting to show is genetic engineering, just like the first generation, is unpredictable. Uh, it is full of unintended consequences, um, surprise genetic errors, and we really don't know enough to be able to um, say that it is safe for people to consume. We do know that there could be profound negative impacts. And we also know that it's not what people are going for. So there's, there's quite a lot of science. There's a lot of gaps in what we know and what we um, need to know. There's a lack of regulations and there's a lot of concern. Are there particular categories of ingredients that are more susceptible than others at this point that are being created with these new biotechnologies and perhaps not carrying appropriate disclosures either for the buyers who are going to be taking these ingredients and making them into products or for the ultimate consumer? Sure. You know, this, this new wave of GMOs that are entering the market um, are predominantly targeting the natural product industry. Uh, a lot of these companies want to be seen as natural because they know that that's what consumers want. Consumers want non-toxic, non-GMO, and preferably organic. And we're seeing um, the ingredients, particularly those that are produced via genetically engineered yeast, enter into the food system, um, into uh, packaged foods, uh, beverages, supplements, body care products. Um, so, for example, the genetically engineered vanillin might be found in packaged food products or used as a scent in cosmetics. Um, the genetically engineered derived uh, resveratrol or different vitamins might find them way into their way into supplements. Um, we're also seeing things like genetically engineered um, cannabinoids. There's a, a whole wave of interest in CBD and hemp, and similarly, that interest is finding its way into the genetic engineering industry as well. So there's a, a lot in, in kind of food and supplements and um, body care. And we're also seeing that wave hit the commodity crops. So things like soy and corn, for example, there is a there is a CRISPR corn and a and a gene edited soy and a canola oil um, that is hitting uh, hitting the market. So uh, the natural product industry really is the front line for these new experimental GMOs. As you cited, there are a lot of new ingredients coming to market, um, and 
obviously not always with uh, the disclosures that people might want uh, to understand how was something produced. So are there steps that brands that really want to be positioned as non-GMO, that uh, ultimate standard, what steps should they take to ensure the ingredients they're buying really are non-genetically engineered, that they meet those standards? This is such an important question. As you said, many of these ingredients are not labeled. And under our federal regulatory standards, you don't have to label these new GMOs. Um, and so really companies and consumers alike are still in the dark. There are ways that companies can protect the integrity of their brand and really uh, protect the integrity of the natural product industry. For brands that are uh, USDA certified organic, um, then you're already protected because these new genetic engineering techniques and synthetic biology and gene editing are not allowed in USDA organic. So if you've got that seal, you're fine. The other place that you can have confidence is with the non-GMO project seal, the little butterfly seal. Um, their standards have been updated and do not permit these new genetic engineering ingredients. Um, if you don't have the certification of either the non-GMO project or USDA organic, there are questions that you can ask to protect yourself of your suppliers. Asking your supplier, are there any ingredients derived from genetic engineering, including new gene editing techniques like CRISPR? The key word being ingredients derived from genetic engineering, because now we're not just talking about GMOs, where the object itself is what was engineered. Now you have things like GMO yeast that pump out an ingredient. So a slippery supplier might say, well, the product wasn't a GMO. It was made by a GMO, but there's none in the final product. Well, one, we can't ever be sure that there aren't actually the original GMOs in the final product. Um, and second of all, the difference for consumers uh, is null. Like consumers don't want GMOs, whether it was produced by a GMO or are a GMO. So asking, are any ingredients derived from genetic engineering, including new techniques like CRISPR? Asking, are any ingredients produced using fermentation or bioengineering? Are any ingredients derived from yeast, algae, or enzymes? That's kind of a, a red flag. It doesn't mean that it is, it is indeed a, a, a product derived from genetic engineering, but it gives you the tip that you need to ask then more questions. If it was produced via bioengineering or fermentation, then you can go back to the first question. Were any of those derived from genetic engineering processes. Asking the supplier, do you know where these ingredients were originally sourced is really key because they might not be able to answer your question. And at the end of the day, would the supplier be able to sign an affidavit confirming the ingredients are produced through processes that don't use genetic engineering techniques? You know, that should give a company um, the confidence that they are um, within their brand integrity and indeed giving consumers uh, the products that they want. That's some great guidance. Certainly, um, I think it is a different point of view. Well, the ingredient itself isn't actually a GMO. So 
Um, I agree with you. The consumers are looking at it. This is genetic engineering. This is biotechnology. And they're making their own personal choice on this aligns with my values and I want to buy products and support brands that are in line with that for me. So the companies that are taking these steps, sourcing ingredients that are maybe certified organic, non-GMO project verified, vetting their suppliers, getting that supply chain transparency, then they've got the opportunity to build a really great story. So what could the brands then do with their market position to make sure that they're educating and communicating with consumers with truth and transparency? Um, it's so important because really, you know, people want real food, real ingredients. Um, they want transparency. And you know, we've seen what happens with the first generation of GMOs. Um, people are, are really looking for truly sustainable solutions. And I think using marketing to say what it is you're actually doing. You know, does, is, are, are the ingredients um, sourced from farmers you know, or are you able to say that the ingredients are, are organic or non-GMO or, um, you know, derived from the original source, the real plant-based source? Um, I think really letting consumers know what your values are and and if you have a website, allowing people to find out more information so that they aren't trying to rely on vague words uh, like sustainable or natural. Like allow your company to elaborate and say for reals, where is this product from? Um, and 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 how are you sure that it is non-toxic? I think it's also really beneficial for companies to clarify what they're not. To say, you know, we don't source ingredients derived from genetic engineering. Um, we don't source ingredients derived from synthetic biology. Our ingredients all are derived from their original. Um, source that was, came from the soil or that they're organic or they're, they're sourced from their true medicinal origin. Um, I think just really speaking in plain language uh, so that consumers and people aren't trying to navigate um, investor hype or uh, words that have been greenwashed. Couldn't agree more. Certainly, the emphasis on transparency, on clear communication, and I think you're seeing a lot of demand from consumers in understanding their supply chain because they want to understand what they're consuming and make an educated decision. So, appreciate that thought about how do you share the information in a really accessible way. Any additional yeah. thoughts you'd like to share? It's an exciting time right now, and I think that, that companies who are um, socially conscious, companies that want to be transparent, want to provide their consumers with products that are non-toxic, that are healthy for both the environment and for their bodies, um, have a real important opportunity right now to really become leaders in the industry to uh, to show that that they care about the about the ingredients that they're carrying 
um, and, and consumers will be able to trust those companies, particularly at a time where there are fallouts from a lot of big genetic engineering companies um, watching what's been happening, unfortunately, with Monsanto, I think has created a lot of distrust. Um, and, and so companies that are really able, able to put their integrity at the forefront of their communication with a lot of transparency and honesty and openness, I think will really go far. Thank you so much for those insights. I really appreciate it. And thank you for joining me on this podcast interview. I'd also invite our listening audience to learn more about this when you and I land in Las Vegas for our GMO 2.0 workshop at Supply Side West. Uh, that workshop's set for Thursday, October 17th at 2 p.m. and will be including additional speakers from the Hartman Group, Natural Grocers, and the Non-GMO Project to look at how are these technologies affecting the dietary supplement supply chain. So again, Dana, really, Thank you so much for taking the time out to talk with me today. Thank you so much for the conversation. You can learn more at SupplySideWest.com. And if you have additional thoughts to share, feel free to hit me up on social media at Heather Granato. This episode has been brought to you by SupplySideWest, October 15th through the 19th in Las Vegas.